Sorry for Carter's audio on this episode. We'll fix it for the next episode. Thanks for bearing with us. Good morning, Carter! Wow. Uh, good morning, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to Daily Confetti, guys, on Unsafe Space. Today is Tuesday, January 28th, and we are glad you are joining us. Uh, that was like a morning stretch, also overly enthusiastic. Good morning. What's going on with you? <laughs> I'm just in a good mood today. I thought I would express it. All right. Well, don't <laughs> let me stop you. Okay. <laughs> you know, you know those bad days and the trying times that you go through and they make the good days and the good times even better. Do you know what I mean? The I've res- heard about those. Yeah. yeah. What do you you've heard about what? I read about some people have bad days. But you know, you don't I've have never bad experienced days? it exactly. Are you being sarcastic? <laughs> You're being sarcastic. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Um Anyway, welcome, guys. If it's your first time joining us, you can visit us uh, at unsafespace.com. We also have a Subscribestar where you can support us financially. If you like the podcast, if you like the show, go to subscribestar.com and look for Unsafe Space. Um, We also do a monthly book club, and book club is coming up this Sunday, February 2nd. So if you want to get in on book club and be a part of the discussion, it's a live discussion. You can be on video with us, or you can just be in the chat and... um, you can find out more at unsafespace.com. And the book we're reading this month is Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Yeah, and this is, is super easy to read, and it's fun. So yeah, come on and chat. Yeah. So I just was hoping I could do like a casual kind of catch-up episode on a couple things, if that's cool with you, Carter. Yeah, so you were you were telling me you told me a little bit about this conversation you had yesterday. Plus, you wanted to catch up on some stuff. So I think people will be interested. So let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, firstly, thank you to the knitters who uh, watched the episode yesterday, and you know sent some messages of support to Knit and Nibble, the guy, the uh, James McIntosh and his partner Tom, his husband Thomas. I forget, I forget Thomas's last name, but anyway. Um, thank you for writing to Knit Nibble and giving the messages of support. I'm really happy to see that they're not folding, that he's, that he's not giving in to this manufactured outrage, that he can see what it is, that it's nothing, that it's like smoke and mirrors. And so that, I don't know, it makes me happy. I feel like people are starting to understand this ideology a little bit better and how it operates um, because we've seen it manifest itself a few times now in these outrage mobs and we've seen the different ways that it can go and so people are becoming more aware of the tactics and and i think also they're becoming more aware of the difference between what this ideology claims to be and what it actually is so yeah and you know this just reminds me carrie of how important you know we talk about pushing back and you know how it's important to push back and you've got an obligation to push back on bad ideology but um, there's a real human component here, which is knowing that you're not completely alone goes a long, long way psychologically for someone to like help someone survive. And so, um, just knowing like, cause, cause when you're, when you're attacked by a mob, social justice or otherwise, um, it, you know, you get that kind of crowd mentality where it's just, everyone's just totally making you into the absolute devil 
there's nothing you have no redeeming qualities it's just ad hominem ad hominem ad hominem you, you're told that everything you do is wrong and every every motive you have is questioned and you feel you can feel very very alone and so to have someone else anyone even if it's someone that you don't know reach out and say hey I got your back they're they're mistreating you I see it um, there's a lot of psychological visibility there that's I think super um, super valuable and important and if you have empathy for people tell them when yeah. they're in situations like this. I absolutely agree because I think like we said yesterday it could pro when you're in the eye of a storm like this I imagine it feels very isolating like there's all this negative attention on you and just to have someone even one person give a message of support I'm sure is very it, it helps ground you you know a little bit and help you it helps you trust your own instincts I think. Um, yeah, and to and to say like you're not crazy for thinking that yeah. these that this is insane. What's happening? Like you're not the insane one. Um, yeah, right. That that helps. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I noticed just before we started the recording this was um, there are still some SJWs in there demanding an apology, and one of them just posted on his most recent on on Knit and Nibble's most recent Instagram post, which is about something else. It's about uh, a knitting group he's hosting tonight. And the the message was basically, you know, I'm just wondering if you're going to address any of these concerns from the community. And it's been five days now and you haven't addressed our concerns. And I just, I, I responded to this woman because I, I, I wanted her to see from the outside looking in, I, I don't think these people have, they don't engage in a lot of self-reflection. It's like the amount of arrogance an entitlement required for you to think this guy owes you anything for you to be hounding him for days like that. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, and she actually replied to my comment and said, oh, it's not arrogance, but he has a responsibility to the community. It's like, no, he doesn't. And you don't speak for the community anyway. And there's right. no Th responsibility the whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are both key points, right? He doesn't, uh, this person, this is part of the, this is part of what makes, this is part of the mob tactic, right? The social justice mob tactic, and I'm sure other mobs, right? It's to make you feel like everyone is against you when it's actually just a small percentage of very vocal, annoying people who won't let it go. Um, and most people are standing on the sidelines going, what the hell is going on over here? Like, yeah. I don't know if I should get in. I'm afraid to say anything. And this is weird. Most people are standing back. Your community is not against you. There's a, a fraction of people who are bitter, angry, vocal, I guess people with nothing better to do, hounds who are just going to come after you constantly um, and try and convince you that it's your whole community, that you owe a response to your community. Your community is not upset. There's only like a handful of people that are upset. They're just loud. They're just loud. And they're arrogant. And they're old. They're old. And when I say old, I don't mean they're physically they're aged. <laughs> I mean, uh, this was really amazing. I woke up this morning and somebody had sent me this comment and it's a Nietzsche quote, which you may be familiar with, but I wasn't. Um, it's from, uh, this bit about, it's called tarantulas. It's an excerpt from, um, thus spake Zarathustra. And it's from like part 29, I guess of that. And I had never read this before, and I can't believe I haven't read it until now because it gave me chills 
it's so applicable. And I, I, it's sort of, you read these things, this is over 100 years old, and it just reminded me that none of this is new. This personality type has always existed. This kind of resentment has always existed. The ideology that this type of person clings to and uses to seek power and to seek control and to seek revenge, the ideology may evolve and change and it may be called something else, but it's, it's the same damn thing. It's the same thing and these are the same people because it's, of course it is. This is, hu- this is human nature and this is one method and mode of being in the world. I happen to think it's a very dark and evil mode of being in the world, but this is, this is an ancient form of being in the world. So I just want to read an excerpt of it, but you guys should read the whole thing because the whole thing is applicable, the tarantulas part. Um, this is just one small part of it. Uh, inspired ones, they resemble, but it is not the heart that inspireth them, but vengeance. And when they become subtle and cold, it is not spirit, but envy that maketh them so. Their jealousy leadeth them also into thinkers' paths, and this is the sign of their jealousy. They always go too far, so that their fatigue hath at last to go to sleep on the snow. In all their lamentations soundeth vengeance. In all their eulogies is malf... I'm going to mispronounce this word. What's that word? Malfeasance? Malfeasance, sure. Malfeasance. And being... (laughs) That's my ignorance. And being judged seemeth to them bliss... But thus do I counsel you, my friends, distrust all in whom the impulse to punish is powerful. They are people of bad race and lineage. Out of their countenances pure the hangman and the sleuthhound. Distrust all those who talk much of their justice. Verily, in their souls, not only honey is lacking. And when they call themselves the good and the just, forget not that for them to be Pharisees, nothing is lacking but power. I'm, thank you for indulging me and letting me read that, but have you read that before? I don't remember that particular quote. I've read Nietzsche before, um, but I've, I've read I don't Nietzsche remember that before. quote. But yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, Nietzsche was really good quote. at tearing down, like identifying uh, that we can use social justice terminology, systems of oppression, right? He was really good at... at uh, recognizing the psychologies that go into um, basically bad people and and questioning what motives are that people ostensible do-gooders what their motives actually are um, so yeah I thought it was just so applicable and I've read some Nietzsche too but I've never read that one of my favorite quotes is his about the be careful that you don't become a, the monster you're fighting right but right. this that by the way is still so applicable today but this I just I read it and I'm thinking, it's like he peered into the future, but he didn't have to because this this type of person's always existed. Yeah, history, history like we our costumes change, but nothing else. Like we just keep doing the same thing with different props, basically. Yeah. Um, there's not a there's nothing new. Yeah. Right? Now we do it with iPhones and Twitter instead of yeah. I don't know, gossip circles, but it's the same thing. Um, the stocks instead of the stocks. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, right. So I, I wanted to share this story, if you don't mind, unless you have something else about that. I was going to share this story. No, I happened. just think it's great that um, – I just – I want to reiterate. I think it's great that the um, knit and nibble guys are not bowing down to the mob and 
they're going to stand firm and, you know, I think it's a good time. Maybe more people, hey, if the knitting community can be the genesis of the the resistance against the resistance against the resistance, I don't know what we call it, the resistance <laughs> against social justice, then uh, great. So Yeah, the resistance against this mind virus. Hey, dogs. Shh. Okay. It's totally a mind virus. Um, and Carrie, uh, you mentioned yesterday about, I mean, we've said this a lot, but you said yesterday you, you kind of talked about how people aren't necessarily thinking and they're just, you know, yeah. going through different things. And I know you're about to talk about that a little bit, but um, it is really, it is really a mind virus. It's a, it's, that's a great way to think about it. So. I borrowed that phrase from a friend, so. Um, oh, I think that phrase is probably older than oh, yeah. Nietzsche, my older guess. Older than Nietzsche, <laughs> Except yeah. for maybe not virus, because that wasn't known, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I told Carter, guys, I told Carter a little bit about this last night, but this was amazing to me. I went to my local bookstore, which I've talked about on the podcast before. It's a bit of an SJW bookstore. Um, but I, I always think, it. by the way, whenever you mention the bookstore, I always think women and women first from Portlandia. So that's the image. You can <laughs> <have>. <laughs> You're not too far off, <laughs> but there's a beautiful little cafe it's like that, but more upscale. And there's a beautiful little cafe inside, and I go there for coffee every day. And I know all the people, the bartenders, the co- the baristas, and I just, I really love everyone who works there. Does but Fred Armisen yes. work there in drag? Is that a <laughs> <laughs> no? But you're you're not far off from that comparison. That's funny. Um. Anyway, I so I was in the cafe. I was doing some work um, at the bookstore, and there were these two girls near me on their laptops doing some work. And I kept, one of them was talking loudly, like in that way where you have to wonder if she almost wants you to hear her. Like it's sort of a, 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 a braggy or maybe even a virtue signaling kind of thing where, where people can hear what the intellectual, supposedly intellectual stuff she's discussing. And so she kept, she kept talking to the other girl about stuff they were reading and working on. And it was all, it was everything we talked about on the podcast. It was like, you know, the oppression of women. And, and at one point she looks up and she says something to her friend about, you know, toxic masculinity. And I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I just started laughing and not yeah, in a mean way, but I just started laughing. Cause it just, I was also laughing at the absurdity. It's like, God, you put me right next to these girls. <laughs> and so I was laughing. No, no. She, I just want to be clear. <laughs> you walked into the women and women first bookshop and sat down next to the girls. That's <laughs> Take some responsibility here, Karen. <laughs> anyway. Subconscious, they... you placed me next to people I want to argue with. How did that happen? How <laughs> did that happen? But I go to this bookstore all the time and I've never heard such an overt, overtly SJW conversation well, you, but, like this. But, but you know you, that's a place to hear it and you go yeah. to the bookstore all the time. So no, it's bound it was... to happen eventually. Congratulations. Okay, thank you. And it was also very elementary because these girls are young and they're in college and they're just learning this stuff. And so, um, but it, but she was speaking with the fervor of a new convert. I'll put it that way. And as it kind of laughed and, and so there were two of them. Now, one of them, I'm going to call the smug one. She was the one that was talking loudly. And the other was the interested one. Um, the smug one was basically like, she, what she said, she's laughing at us. (laughs) And I said, yes, I'm sorry. I'm laughing. So you're laughing, the smug one's talking, you're laughing off to the yeah. side, which is kind of yeah. rude. And she, <laughs> she's like, hey, that old 
lady is that old fembag is laughing at us. <laughs> <laughs> that old fembag. <laughs> well, she didn't call me any names, no, but she did say, "Hey, she's laughing at us." And so I then I started. I I just decided I'm just going to address them. And so I said, um, I said, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm laughing. It's just I'm laughing because you're talking about toxic masculinity." <laughs> and and so then she, you know, she got into her warrior stance is what I guess I would call it. But, um, you know, and, and, and I'm not trying to make fun of this girl too much. I mean, I, here's the thing I see, I saw a lot of myself in her. Yeah, I was going to say that was you 20 years ago, like to a T. Totally me. I was even more, uh, <laughs> radical probably than that, you know? And, um, so anyway, I said, yeah, I'm just laughing because you're talking about toxic masculinity. And, and I said, I started saying stuff. I'm like, you know, it's just, you're using, we're using phrases. So I, I asked them, I was like, are you, are you in college? Is this, are you guys studying this stuff right now? And she said, they said, yes. And I said, I just think it's really sad that they're making you guys study that. I mean, it's good to be aware of it, but they're teaching it like it's truth, right? Like toxic masculinity is a fact. It's a how truth. Much, how much is she paying for this? Yeah, I, did, I didn't ask that. But <laughs> it's like, I said, if they said, if you were learning phrases like, female splaining, femme splaining and, you know, toxic femininity. And if it, if it, any of it were about women, we would rightly be offended because it's denigrating someone based solely on what, what gender they are. That's, that's what that, that is. Um, and I said, we're sitting in a bookstore that sells stickers that say male tears, you know, and, <laughs> and stickers about the end of the male species. And if they sold stuff like that about women, we would rightly be offended. But, uh, but because it's about men, it's as if, it's as if, and I, I said some of the stuff we talk about on the podcast to them, I said, it's, it, it's as if they're teaching you that sexism is the way to end sexism, but it's not, you know, this is collectivism. This is a collectivist ideology. It is just as racist and sexist as the, as the, as the belief systems it claims to be opposing. And so I kind of, I was calm, you know, just talking to her, but I also was passionate as I can get. And you, this, <laughs> but this the interested one I could tell was like turned on her light came on I could see it right because she was probably like wait a minute some someone's opposing this I've never heard an opposing argument basically and her light came on but the smug one it's like smugness is sometimes it's just a defense because you're afraid and you don't know what to say to this person who's challenging you right so mm. the smug one um said uh, she, she just started spitting out phrases that we're all familiar with here, but she said, well, this is why intersectionality is important. <laughs> she started playing SJW bingo with you. Is that what happened? She started playing SJW bingo with me. And I don't think she expected me to know what intersectionality means. And I said, I said, Wait, yes. fragility, cis heteronormativity, mansplaining, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Let me get out my bingo square. But I said, um, stay you in know, your lane, I, Carrie. Stay in my lane. I said, look, I said intersectionality. I said, yes, intersectionality. Kimberly Crenshaw. I've read it. I know what you're talking about. And I'm, I'm like, and I do think it's important actually, because if intersectionality is allowed to continue to its logical conclusion, where you're continually divided. See, this belief system. I and I called it a religion to them. I was like, this belief system you guys are being indoctrinated to in college. It's a religion, and what it's teaching you, right, is that the best way to look at the world is as these a power struggle between these competing identity groups. And everything's about what identity group you're in. It's not about who you are as an individual. It's about the most meaningless characteristics about you, your race and your sex and your sexuality and all that stuff. And so 
there's this never ending proliferation of these groups, right? Because now it's become a social currency to be in the marginalized ones. Right. And so they keep adding more and more and more. And so as intersectionality, if taken to its end result, and this is something Jordan Peterson talks about, it would result in getting back to individualism because if you add an infinite number of groups, it's like, you know, I am a woman, I am white, I am heterosexual, I am from the South, I speak, you know, Swahili, I, whatever all my little things are, when you break it all the way down to its most minute level, then it's like, oh, wow, we just got back to the individual. Well, that's the thing. I would, I would argue with, I don't know what Jordan Peterson said about it, but intersectionality as described within metaphor of intersections of traits does get down if taken to its extreme to individualism right. i agree with that it, it has no intention of doing that it's not actually about intersectionality isn't actually about any of that intersectionality is just a struggle for power and it's using these terms uh in order to pick group against group and so it will not go that far well i agree with you i'm saying if it were allowed to go to its logical conclusion that's why I think intersectionality, when people talk about it, talk about it in this way with them. Help them see that if you were to take it to its logical conclusion, we all know that the architects of this ideology don't want it to go there, but right. it would take you back there. That's what's funny about it. That's what's important about it. So she says some flippant little comment that I'm sure she doesn't even know what she means. That's why intersectionality is important. It is important. Let me explain why it's really important. And so then... We ha I said that, and she was just sitting there, like, sipping her coffee and just... But her face was the smug face. It was Seeming. very much... Yeah, and it was... but it, No, but it was more mocking and, like, oh, okay. condescending, like smug, like... I see. Like, like smugly puff. Like smugly puff Oh, face. like smug... Okay, because you're just a dumb old lady in the coffee shop, basically. That's yes, and she yeah. knows everything, right? Yeah, because she's and, 19 and she took a women's studies class. Correct, and she's taking critical theory and she's learning about intersectionality. So, uh... So then she, you know, I finished, I was saying, and I was thinking out loud with these girls, and I was trying to have, like, this is, com this is engaged, this is conversation, right? Interested girl was interested, smug girl is still smug. So I, I, I say a paragraph of text, basically. I'd say what you I You ranted said. just a little bit, maybe. I've been, I was the ranting old lady, I will admit. <laughs> um, and then she says, in her smug face, well, that's some hot take you have there. And I said, no, it's, it's not a hot take. <laughs> A hot take is what a hot take doesn't involve that amount of thought and vulnerability in in disagreeing with you and putting myself out there and engaging with you and trying to express myself in a way that helps you understand me. A hot take is what you're sitting there doing, which is just cycling through uh, your buzzwords like intersectionality and stay in your lane and check your privilege and mansplaining and toxic masculinity. You're, that's what you're doing, right? Like I basically called her to the carpet. I'm like, you're sitting there cycling through your filing cabinet and you're pulling out your little hot takes, but you're not actually listening to me and you're not actually trying to engage with me. You're trying to find the right thing to make you feel smarter and to make me go away or, you know, whatever. She's got a file cabinet of responses and she's trying right. to like, what response works here? Yeah. What response will work? But the, th the other thing is that, um, like, like she, when she said intersectionality, again, I don't think she, she thought I wouldn't know what she's talking about. And I even said, you're using these words because you think they make you sound intelligent. Like, these are not, <laughs> but they don't. They don't. And I but know it's polysyllabic, Carrie. <laughs> and, but see, with people who haven't been in this, they may not have heard that word. 
And so they are, they use them like magic words on people who ha aren't familiar, on normies, right? I'm like, I know what you're talking about though, and it's bullshit. And so, uh, I didn't use the word, that word bullshit with her, but, but I did, I did, she kept doing these little smug things and I kept, but I, I tried, I spoke honestly and plainly and I wasn't being mean. I was passionate, but I wasn't mean, but I was pointing out what she was doing. Like I do in online discussions. Right. I'm like, see what you're doing here is a hot take. Actually, that is a hot take. And then, um, and then at one point she said, uh, well, if toxic masculinity isn't real, why aren't there more women in STEM? I'm like, she's Wait, just let me guess. She was not in STEM. I'm pretty sure I should have asked that. I should have asked. <laughs> but uh, the uh, but interested girl was not in STEM. She admitted to me. So anyway, she says, "Why aren't there more women in STEM?" And and again, people who watch this podcast, it's like, come on, you just it's like this is like softball for me. But okay. <laughs> and so I, I yeah, I said, look, you know, Google did a study where they found out that. They thought they were paying their female engineers less, and they did an internal review. You're the one who told me about this, right? And you, anybody can look this up. Yeah, they 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 wanted they had a big movement internally to make sure they were fair and equal, and of course it was pushed by the the intersectionality uh, disciples on the left in Google trying to make sure that women would get equal pay. It was right around. It was one of these times when the 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 mythical wage gap was flaring up in the zeitgeist of culture, and so they were like, "We're going to go fix it," and so they did their study. And in their study, they actually found the opposite was true, that they were paying their female employees more than their male employees. They had to go raise the wages of a bunch of guys. <laughs> How funny is that? So I, I said to her, you know, I told her about the Google study, but then I also said, see, your religion, and it is a religion that they're teaching you. They're indoctrinating. They're not teaching. They're indoctrinating you into this belief system. It tells you that the answer the, 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 the cause for everything is oppression. You know, you're talking, sitting here talking about oppression of women, that the answer is sexism, the answer is racism, and then you work backwards and try to rationalize that. And that's faulty. You're arriving, I said, most things have a multivariate cause. There's multiple reasons, there's not just one, but you're starting with sexism and trying to make that fit. Why aren't there more women in STEM? How about the fact that women who are on the, out, the outliers on the bell curve of uh, uh, ability in math and science are also, they tend to be on average, those, those, those women who are really talented in math and science tend to be also talented in other areas. They, they have a variety of things they can choose to do. Like I went to a science and math school. Some of the women are in science and math. A lot of the women are not it, like they're more articulate than highly than, than men, than men who are gifted in science and math. Um, more charming, better with people. They enjoy working with people. They enjoy the biological sciences. They like to go into the medical fields. So just because they don't want to be coders, I was like, how boring is coding? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, you like it, but I'm just saying, I wouldn't. I Even I'm kind of bored school. eventually of coding, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, come on, ladies. And you're just automatically saying, oh, it's sexism. Really? It, could it not be that women are choosing to do other things? And, and I said, ask, you should ask yourself, why your professor, why this classroom, whatever, ask yourself why they're not, why this religion is not telling you, hey, hey, women, we don't have 50, 50 uh, percentage yet in garbage collecting. It's like mostly men. It's like 90% men. We need to fix that. Why aren't they telling you that? And an interested girls like interested. Yeah. And Look, I mean, I think we've done this before on a show, Carrie, but I think like the yeah. top 10 most dangerous jobs are like not, like 90% men, order of 90%. Some of them are like 85, some of them are 96, but like they're all 
mostly men. You never hear the feminists argue like, why are only men dying in these jobs? Why we need more women deaths in jobs, so we need to push women into dangerous fields. Also, yeah, the homeless homeless population is largely largely men. You never hear about that. All you hear about is CEOs and Nobel Prize winners, which is yeah, a, just a, a little bit rich. Yeah, and they don't. I said, you know, you're not looking for you. You're not looking for the truth of a situation if you start with a foregone conclusion of sexism and then go backwards. But Smug Girl blurted out something about lived experience, <laughs> and and I said, there is that you go. way? I have a question. Is lived yeah. experience the thing when like, uh oh, none of my other things are working? lived experience let's just go right after epistemology and meta let's actually like do a metaphysical left turn and be like different realities lived experience yeah well she wouldn't even know i don't think she would even know what you meant by that if you said different epistemologies and doing a left turn she, i don't think she would even because these things are just rote they just spit them out oh like a little computer i don't think she even knows what these words mean in fact i said what do you even mean by that what do you mean when you say that's your lived experience? Put it in your own words. She didn't, but interested girl did. Interested girl answered me. Wait, wait, me. she did not. She did not. Saying. Smug oh. girl did not, but interested girl started talking to me. And smug girl started typing on her laptop and stuff. Interested girl and I started having a conversation. She was on her laptop, by the way, asking her friends how to put lived experiences into her own words. <laughs> <laughs> what are my own words for lived experience? Twitter, help me. Or what do I mean by saying, accusing you of, you know, whatever. so she, so, but so interested girl and I started talking and she disagreed with me, but she could talk about it and she could articulate herself and she could put things in her own words and kudos to that girl. And, and I, I, honestly though, even kudos to my girl, I will say that because she did, even though she was just rotely spitting out stuff, she she didn't resort to name calling. There were many other more, more lower forms of communication she could have done, and she didn't choose that. And so I would say, at the end of the at the end of everything, like I talked to I talked to interested girl for a while, and then I told them, look, I do a podcast. If you guys ever want to talk on the podcast and disagree with me on air, or even if you want to talk off air and disagree with me, here's my info. You know, I wrote on a napkin like creepy old lady in the bookstore who harangued you. <laughs> you know, accurate, but, accurate, mm -hmm. accurate. <laughs> creepy old lady. But seriously, and I and I said to her, you know, you held your own. I I respect you for that, and I hope that doesn't sound condescending coming from the old lady. But you know, good for you. And 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 I and I, it was just a really interesting experience because I have a lot of these kind of conversations online, as you know. It's different doing it in person. Um, at the civility dinners, we don't really get SJWs. We get people on the left, but we of don't get SJWs. Of course, you don't get SJWs at the civility yeah. dinner. Yeah, of, of course we wouldn't. So it was interesting to talk to, and it was also sad. I'll say this: these are young girls; they're twenty. Right. They're, they're. It was sad to me that this is this is so commonplace now that it's just being memorized and repeated as fact. And we know this, but like to encounter it and to talk about it with them made me a little sad. There, it was, it was both sad and it, it was inspiring to actually have some real engagement with one of them. Um, even though we disagree, that's totally fine. We can disagree. Just engage with me, turn your light on, think yeah. for yourself, put it in your own words, you know? So that's, it that's, that happened. I was the old lady in the bookstore. 
You're the crazy old lady in the bookshop. <laughs> so they may be watching today and they want to see what the crazy old lady's going to say on the show. Maybe. And if you are watching, thank you, both of you. And I'm even you, smug girl, I'm being serious. You can call me old lady. I'll call you smug girl. And, and thank you, interested girl. So. Well, I mean, smug girl, I think you have to get a PhD to be able to then jump directly to ad hominem when you're arguing with people. That's a, that's a that's next level cool. move. Normal people <laughs> still think they have to engage in some sort of conversation first. So don't worry. Give her a few years. Maybe the ad hominems will come out right off the bat eventually. It's right. still learning. You have to, you have to <laughs> unlock that achievement. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Like, right yeah, now, yeah. like she still wants to think too much. So they have okay. to, they, yeah, they have to, um, they have to press that out of you. Yeah. I thought I was at one point, like little parts of it are all are coming back to me because it was, because I said a lot, sorry. But I did say, you know, don't let them, don't let them cause you to lock up your mind. You know, I just don't, I don't know. That's what I did. I locked up my mind. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, if you're not thinking for yourself and look, we all, we're always affected by people around us and ideas around us and opinions about it around us. So no one is reinventing everything from scratch. That doesn't happen. But if you're not actively thinking for yourself and questioning, and if you can't actually defend your beliefs really not with stock phrases um and pithy comebacks but if you can't actually have a real discussion about why you think what you think um i don't i don't i don't actually really understand how you can have uh, a healthy sense of self-esteem and self-efficacy because you must have a feeling going around the world that you're a fraud yeah yeah i did and i think i think that's what the smugness is masking too because you because you do know that you're a fraud and and you're project you're trying to project confidence and smugness it's like a mask that's hiding the fact that you're you're not complete you're not grounded these are not your ideas yeah these are not things that you've spent a lot of time thinking about what you think about them and coming to this conclusion you're repeating you're repeating ideas that are very that are that are uh you're repeating ideas that have very old roots. I'll put it that way in Marxism. Um, and, and you're speaking them as if they're new. She said something to me also that was kind of, uh, I think it was meant as an insult about my generation. And, um, no one insults it, Gen X. We don't do anything. I've no one insults insult. Gen X. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I think, I don't know. I think that, I think that that part, I think it, I lost my train of thought there. Oh, sorry. Anyway, that's she okay. Was, she <laughs> was insulting your generation. No. Uh, but what was my point with that? Oh, I am an old lady. I'm getting forgetful. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was that arrogance of youth, and again, that's why I said I saw myself in her. Absolutely, yeah. because I had that arrogance of youth of, of as if you you think these are new ideas, and you think that. Um, you know something that the previous generation doesn't and that you're, you're learned and you're learned, you know, you've been educated and, and that you're more empathetic and aware. And, you know, she said something about, you know, these people haven't been able to tell their stories and speak. I was like, the, who are you talking about when you say these people? Are you talking about the architects of my old ideology? Are you talking about a specific ethnic group? Or like, she's not even aware of what she's, she can't even define what she means because it's not her ideas. 
So, but they think it's new. Yeah. And there's this kind of arrogance and entitlement of, um, even though it's not their ideas and they're, they're basically acting, they're being programmed to act as a mouthpiece for an old ideology. Um, they have the arrogance of youth about it. Not all, I'm not, I'm not saying everyone, I'm just saying this type of, the type of SJW I was. Yeah. I don't know if telling someone that they have the arrogance of youth though will resonate with them. Cause I remember well, being a youth and like, an old person saying you're arrogant because you're young is like, huh? Screw you, old person with wrinkles exactly. on them. No, um, it, I agree. It won't. It won't resonate with them. I'm just. I guess I'm talking to other old people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, look. I, I guess. Uh, I don't know how you would. I, I actually don't know how you would get through to young people other than to say, like, your mind is a. Your mind is your primary tool of survival. Your mind is amazing. What your mind is capable of is amazing, and you are 100% capable of figuring stuff out on your own. Read, read conflicting things. Don't be afraid to read things that debunk or that you're told are wrong. Think, read them, and and read everything critically, including Kimberly Crenshaw. But you know, read them critically and make up your own mind, and don't don't substitute if you're not sure. Just don't have an opinion. Don't substitute what you think you're supposed to say for um, your own actual judgment. What you actually, what you actually think. Because I, I don't know. I, that's just you will waste your life, and you're going to wake up when you're 40 and be like, "What the hell did I spend the last 20 years doing? I don't even believe this stuff. It was actually wrong. I never bothered to take five minutes to think about it because I was too worried about social pressure. I was too worried about what the other people in my life would say and think, or what, the disapproval I would get." For my professors or whatever it is um you don't Are have you to agree but about... your mind is powerful cling to reason like it, it's you'll be told that reason is a tool of white male oppression uh so you might want to rethink that a little bit you'll be told it by people who are relying on your reasoning capacity to understand it so it's a self-imploding argument but uh reason is your method of 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 cognition that that's super super powerful Use it. Use it. Yeah. You can, you know, if you can, if you use it well, you'll be able to outthink Carrie 20 years from now and argue with her if you're right in a coffee shop because she'll be old, even older, and she won't remember. <laughs> <laughs> also, because I'm the person, I was like, as you were, as you were saying that, I'm like, wait a minute, are you talking about anybody in particular? You said, you'll, <laughs> you'll wake up when you're 40 and realize it. Like, <laughs> Not you, Carrie. No, Although, but you were maybe. No, but you were describing me. I mean, come no, on. Unintentionally, I mean, yeah. Unintentionally, but you were. I mean, I locked my brain away for almost twenty years. And I was an ideologue for twenty years. I was a little parrot speaking the beliefs and you know, toxic masculinity and lived experience. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, when social justice um advocates get really, really old, uh I think it's gonna be fun to see uh I don't know, all the red hair, blue hair, little old ladies like yelling about intersectionality at the welfare office or whatever. I don't know, Medicare. Um, oh, totally. Well, they're they're, they're going to start. I wonder if when they get they get old, they're suddenly age is going to become because right now age isn't really one of their big uh, oppressed versus oppressor categories. But once they age in once they're like 70 and 80 I wonder when if they're, they're no like, longer in their prime of their beautiful where everyone just <laughs> defers to them because they're 20 year old woman and they're gorgeous right yeah 
Yeah, and then suddenly it'll be about being oppressed for their age. But <laughs> but I don't know. It's it's also the the generation that's coming up underneath them as as we have have reason to believe in studies but also anecdotally hearing from friends about their kids who are 16, 17, like that age group, they are rejecting this nonsense. Yeah. And and that's really inspiring, I think. I just hope that they're I hope that they have Gen X parents who are adequately inoculating them <laughs> for college <laughs> before they go off to college. Or don't um, go to college. Or don't go. Correct. They need to go to college. So don't yeah. go to college. They don't teach you. and they, they just are breaking your brain. That's what they're spending their time doing at college generally. But and that's, that's too much of a red pill, so I'll be quiet. I, uh, I wanted to say one of the things. You said blue hair, and I thought this was really funny. We found the video, we found the, the person who started the mob against Knit and Nibble on Instagram, and it's a video on YouTube, uh, I forget the user's name, the, the YouTube creator's name, but um, it doesn't matter, it, but she did, she's the one who did, who brought the cult there, right, to their account, and she has blue hair, <laughs> and I'm like just laughing, I'm, I get, there's nothing wrong with blue hair, it's just, I love it when... It's kind of funny to me when a stereotype is true. It's it's we're like you know you just kind of have to laugh, have a sense of humor about it. We're like, of course she has blue hair. Yeah. Of course she's of course she's a white lady with blue hair. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I mean, I do feel it's necessary to say it doesn't matter what color your hair is or what. Uh, I agree. Like that's all fine. It's only funny because uh, <laughs> I th I think it's funny because it's like a costume that a certain ideology has started to wear, right? It's like, this is the, this is the way to virtue signal without even opening your mouth uh, that you're woke. And it's just kind of funny. So It also makes me think of, I think it was the movie, if I get the movie wrong, someone in the comments let me know, but I think it was um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is a great film. Kate Winslet's character, I think, I think it was that movie where they talked about people who substitute People who think they get their personality from a bottle of hair dye, like they substitute yes, hair yes, color from their appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can look all the same. It's just don't think all the same. That's the that's the thing that's actually quite frustrating for someone who I don't know if this is just a Gen X thing, but um, I, I it seems like there's this this generation of people who are obsessed with trying to look unique in some way but simultaneously obsessed with falling in line absolutely with every authoritarian doctrine they're told by, like, their superiors. Like, yeah. Um, and, you know, Carrie, remember, so I was never a big fan but, of the hippies, but remember the, uh, the hippie bumper sticker that used to say, question authority? Yeah. Or question everything. There was one that said question yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, when I was, actually, when I was younger and I was raised Christian, I'm, I'm an atheist, uh, for those who don't know, but when I was younger, I was raised Christian. Um, I didn't like the idea of questioning everything because there was one thing I wasn't supposed to question. I wasn't supposed to question matters of faith and my religion, and, like, those were off limits. And I don't know. I'm not going to speak for you, Carrie, because you may have a different belief on this. So I'll just speak for myself. Uh, the reason that social justice ideology, the reason intersectional ideology is a religion, and, and this is how I identify religions, Religions are belief systems that have unquestionable tenets. 
Religions are things that there are belief systems where here's a set of things that are unquestionable. Thou shalt not question them. And uh, by that definition, obviously, formally, there's other stuff about religions. But by that definition, it's a religious belief system. Yeah. It's also, it's not just like a religious belief system. It is cultish. I use that word um, knowing full well what, I'm, what I mean when I say it. it it's not hyperbole. Carter and I did an episode last year. It's been a while. But um, if you guys haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out where it was, I think it was called SJWism is a cult. <laughs> and Carter went through and read all of the um, characteristics of a cult to me. And we went through them one by one. And it was shocking even to me how many of them applied. Yeah. And they, how many? I, I think there were maybe one or two that didn't, but the rest was check, 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 check. Yeah. And not every um, cult has all of them apply anyway. So Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is why this is why uh, this is why you get called an NPC, right? When when you're cycling through uh, responses like the Terminator and choosing from A, B, and C and trying that one, that's that's why you get called an NPC, and that's why it bothers you to be called an yeah. NPC. So yeah, uh, I will uh, say, oh my gosh, um, along those same lines, in some of the knitting threads on Knit and Nibble, people are in there playing bingo because seriously, the SJWs are just like this girl in the coffee shop. They're like. Stay in your lane, you know, check your privilege. Right. <laughs> One of those, like, don't put, or wait, 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 get blank out of your mouth, you know, when they tell you you can't talk about something. Get right, it right, out, right. Get blank out of your mouth. Uh, lived experience, you know, toxic whiteness. <laughs> Should we have some formal rules if the same person in the thread uses, like, certain terms, like, four or five times, it's bingo? I think so. One person <laughs> used two of the phrases in one comment. I was like, that's kind of cool. I it's, saw that. That That's the yeah. comment I actually responded bingo to. <laughs> bingo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Bingo. Anyway. What we should say, we should say meandering. formally, yeah. welcome smug girl and welcome interested girl if you're watching. Uh, yeah, we have... You know, we've got nothing against you. You're young and learning, but uh, please question everything we say, but question everything <laughs> your and, expert professors and, tell you. Right, and we're old and learning, so it's not like we're not learning as well. But, um, yeah, if you want to come on the program or if any other SJWs watching want to come on the program, I, I've, Carter and I have talked about this before. I actually would love to do an episode where we talk with someone who really vehemently disagrees with me on some of this stuff. I think it could be interesting, but yeah. anyway, thanks for, thanks for joining us today, guys. I know it's been kind of a meandering casual episode, but I felt like we should catch up on a couple of things. And then that conversation yesterday just stuck with me. So I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I guess we can talk about current events tomorrow. So I don't, there's nothing really that exciting happening right now. So, uh, it's hard to ignore impeachment. So Is it? No, actually, I don't, it's, it's quite it's easy. It's pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty easy. I'm like, is this hard for you? I don't even... No. I'm not even... Oh, wait, wait. Can I bring up one... Yeah, do Can it. I bring up one thing? It's not... Uh, it's not related to, to impeachment, but um, it's related to CNN, which is just as fun. Did oh, you uh, see the CNN video uh, of... What's his face? Don Lemon? 
John Lennon. I did. Yes. Wait, I'm going to play it. Play it. I don't even know who these people are, but Don Lemon interviewing some talking heads. Here we go. He also knows deep in his heart that Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. And so that's partly him playing to their base and playing to their audience, uh, you know, the, the, the credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump. Um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one and they're, oh, y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. <laughs> you, you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my... Your math and your reading. Yeah, you're reading, you know, your geography, knowing other countries, sipping your latte. All those lines on the map. <laughs> <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. Sorry, I apologize. But by, but by the way, oh my God! But, but you know what? But, but it was Rick's fault. I blame Rick. Oh but, you know, but, but in all honesty, but all, blame you know what Rick. NPR should Why do? Why not? Sorry, hold on. You, wait, wait. Can I tell give you what? Me a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. That was good. Sorry, Rick. You, that you, was a good one. I needed that. So yeah. Um, Here's something interesting. How, how do you expect to not lose the election? Oh, they're totally going to lose um, unless Google rigs it. But which they will. But which so. they will. They'll try to rig it. But here's the thing about this: it's interesting. They try to have it both ways. I remember when people were talking about the results of the election, and they were talking about the white working class, and they were talking about uh, the opioid epidemic, and the book "Hillbilly Elegy." And some of these other things, and I would see SJWs and NPCs responding with, they would say, no, no, most of Trump's voters are uh, college educated. They, they would point out these, these groups, like they would go and cherry pick and try to show that it's not about disaffected working class. They would try to say, no, look at all these college educated, wealthy white people who vote for Trump. So on the one hand, when it suits them, they try to pretend like his entire base was full of wealthy, highly educated white people. And then on the other hand, when it suits them, they try to pretend like his entire base, base is a bunch of uh, country hicks with you know, no intelligence whatsoever. And they try to play it both ways, which is interesting. And then, and then yeah, just aside from that, the arrogance in doing this, but the, the lack of self-awareness, like you said, how can they, they don't realize this is not gonna help them at all? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it wasn't even that funny. And I'm fine to make fun of Trump. It just wasn't right. even that funny. Um, oh. So it was an overreaction to something that wasn't even that funny. Uh, and the guy breaks into both both the guests broke into a southern accent um, and started acting like people with southern accents aren't like they don't like maps and they're overwhelmed by maps and and lines on the map. They they. They basically were saying people with southern accents are idiots and it only idiots like Trump and his base is full of a bunch of slack jawed, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, Neanderthals, right? And that's, that's their attitude and I gotta, you know, I don't, I don't know what kind of bubble you can be living in where you think that broadcasting that on national television is going to endear people to your side and 
I think it maybe the answer, Carrie, is they don't think it is. They don't care about people who aren't them. Um, no, they, they don't. don't and, and they're sitting there making fun of uh, people talking about the media being part of the elite while they're engaging in the behavior of the elite. It's kind of funny. It's like, right. you guys, you don't even realize you, you are the stereotype here. You are enacting the stereotype of what the elite are like. You couldn't have asked for a better soundbite of what the elite, the media elite are like. What yeah, the media that's elite, what they think of you, America. Yeah, there you that's go. what they think of you. There you go. They illustrated it for you. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I can't, I mean, no one watches CNN, so I mean, the only way I saw this was because this clip has been going around Twitter, but um, it's going to be an interesting year, Carrie. It's, the elections are going to be interesting. There, there's definitely going to be, there already is a lot of big tech pushing the Democrats, um, but it's going to be an interesting year. It is, and uh, 2019 was a great year. For me in a lot of ways and I think in general I think it was a good year as much as they like to pretend it was awful um, and I think 2020 is going to be even better and it's going to be chaotic and there's going to be crazy stuff happening like in 2019 but it's also it's also very interesting it's an interesting time to be alive so yeah keep in mind that uh, this is the network that was successfully sued by Nick Sandman and had to settle out of court um, so, you know, they're, they're busy defaming people on a regular basis and, uh, and acting like, you know, the, the stupid masses, uh, just don't know what's good for them. And only the, the liberal media elite, uh, are, are the, the true saviors of society. It's also the same network that lied and said that it was illegal for people to read the WikiLeaks email. Oh my God. Yeah. That was Cuomo, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you want to tell the story? I mean, that's it. They said, he, he said, you, it's illegal for you to read these. We have to read them and tell you what they say. They, they also are the yes. network that sold the, us. That was the, for the Clinton or, emails. Yeah. The Clinton emails. Yeah. They're also the network that sold us the Iraq war. I remember that. I was in the streets protesting that war. They sold yep. us the yellow cake lie. Uh, they've sold us a lot of lies, CNN. I used to trust them yep. implicitly. I'd, I'm kind of shocked now that I did that, but anyway. Yeah, They're, I mean, it's better to think of them as just a propaganda arm for the deep state, uh, which whether which you are. believe the deep state is a thing or not, it is. Uh, and whether you believe there's an official, they are an official propaganda arm or not, probably not official, uh, it's a much better description of them it's like helps you contextualize what they're saying. Like if you think of them that way, you'll understand most of what they're doing. So, yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah, right. they're not serving the people. No, no, um, they're mocking the people and pushing the people to war and Marxism so. and serving the deep state. Um, yeah. Okay, well, this has been a meandering episode. Thank you guys totally. for joining us, <laughs> Carter. I've enjoyed talking with you. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too, Carrie. It is a meandering okay. episode, but we're going to publish it anyway because yeah. who cares? So, all right. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Make sure you're still subscribed on YouTube, and you can always go to BitChute. We usually, within a day or two, put the videos up on BitChute if they don't get automatically ingested. So thanks, everyone. See you later.